0: Will you be my refuge, my haven in the storm? Will you keep the embers warm when my fire's all but gone? Will you remember and bring me spritz of rosemary, be my sanctuary till I can carry on, carry carry on. This one knocked me to the ground, this one dropped me to my knees. I should have seen it coming, but it surprised me. Will you be my refuge, my haven in the storm? Will you keep the embers warm when my fire's all but gone? Will you remember and bring me sprigs of rosemary Be my sanctuary till I can carry on Carry on, carry on In a state of true believers on streets called us and them gonna take some time till the world feels safe again Will you be my refuge, my haven in the storm? Will you keep the embers warm when my fire's all but gone? Will you remember and bring me sprints of rosemary? be my sanctuary till I can carry on, carry on, carry on. Be my sanctuary till I can carry on.
1: it's so
2: My name is Chris Crandall and my pronouns are she her and hers I'm a member of your board of trustees and it is my pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist congregation of Columbia as we begin we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors it is upon their land that we reside we are served by the Reverend Paige Getty minister as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and de- dedication help to keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whomever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guest joining the worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may get to meet you and welcome you. Finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. There are several announcements this morning The UU Climate Crisis Team has designated September as Plant-Rich Diet Month. So you may have noticed food fact and recipe articles in the link and tapestry newsletter. The Plant-Rich Diet Committee is also providing the Sunday coffee hour snacks this month. And today, after service at 11.30, the Climate Forum will host Erica Jones from the Community Ecology Institute. Erica will speak about plant-based eating and its connection to environmental justice. And our own Mary Rogers will talk about UUCC's partnership with Freetown Farm. So after service, please enjoy the tasty, healthy snacks, then return to the sanctuary for the forum. And those of you at home can join the forum as well by using the Zoom link noted on the screen during the postlude today. If you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community and would like to participate in today's first LGBTQ plus affinity group gathering, please feel free to meet up with staff member Sarah Davidson and others in the chapel also at 1130 this morning. Back in May, over 100 members and friends attended the group relations workshop, generating lots of positive energy and envisioning possibility statements for our dynamic future for UUCC. Nine enabling action teams emerged to begin discussing how to implement the possibility statements to bring them into reality. The teams covered a wide range of ideas such as monthly joyful gatherings, connect with others and recognize engagement, and building a community of culturally competent communicators. If you'd like to learn more about these activities and others, especially if you missed the May workshop, Join us for 45 minutes at 7.30 tonight on Zoom and see how and where you can get involved. The Zoom link can be found on the calendar and the website. Also, the auction team continues to gratefully accept your donations for this year's auction, set for Saturday, November 12th. Mark your calendars. Visit the auction webpage to submit your donation and view the donor guide. And now we have an announcement by UCC member Ann Wing. Ann, are you here?
3: I'm Ann Wing. Um, I don't know if any of you have thought about what it would lo- be like to have a vegetable garden here on uh, Obic property. That way, our kids and adults could work together to grow food. Well, you may have noticed an extension of the fence. At the playground behind us. Uh, part of this is to provide space for Crater Rock Children's Center's youngest to play outside. These are the ones who can't quite walk yet and they aren't old enough or big enough to use the regular playground. The second part of the garden, uh, uh, the second part of the fence will surround the garden. If you've volunteered at Freetown Farm at Harry Tubman Road or You've, uh, excuse, wait a minute. If you have volunteered at Freetown Farm on Harriet Tubman Road here in Columbia, you've seen what the Community Ecology Institute you just heard about has done there. One of their programs is building small, nourishing gardens. They want them to be go throughout the community. They received a grant to provide raised beds, mulch, plants, and labor to build them in locations. As CC's, the Cradle Rock Children's Center was already building a fence, our environmental climate justice group and the food plant rich diet group and the green sanctuary teams worked together and saw a opportunity for us and our RE program to work with Freetown Farm with Cradle Rock Children's Center who who also want their children to learn about digging in the dirt to uh, and possibly involve some of the neighbors who cut through this property the fence has been built the garden design is almost finished so garden work can begin and fall plants can be put in the ground but we need your help our part of the fence costs three thousand dollars and we need cardboard lots lots of cardboard to cover the, pl- the ground and keep the weeds from coming up through the mulch. So anything cardboard that you have bigger than a pizza box, and even a used pizza box, uh, is needed. Uh, it will, will also possibly need your help, maybe helping in the garden, working with the children and the RE students here. So if you have any questions, talk to me, and I'm going to get
4: out of here. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Chris. Good morning. Oh, somebody's mask. Who, is it Ann's or Chris's? Ann, is this your mask? Oh.
0: No. oh.
4: <laughs> good morning. My name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it's my great privilege and honor to serve as minister of this congregation and to be with all of you here in this space this morning and those of you who are joining us virtually. It's good to be together on this day where we're gonna continue this theme of planting and growing things and think about how where we give our attention is where things grow. If you're in the sanctuary this morning and are having trouble hearing, there are hearing assist devices from the tech team in the back of the sanctuary, so don't hesitate to get up and see them. If you want to follow along in the order of service, we're not printing a lot of those anymore, but you can access it on your own mobile device using the QR code that's getting ready to appear on the screen or the URL that's available on the website or probably in the Zoom chat is my guess. Thank you, Becky. If you are a guest today, as Chris said, please do fill out that visitor form so that we can stay in touch with one another throughout the week. And know that one of the important things we do each week when we gather is share our personal joys and sorrows so that they can be held lovingly by this community. We will do that early in the service today. So if you have a personal joy and sorrow that you would like to have voiced on your behalf, please send that by email to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net or write it in the Joys and Sorrows book that's at the back of the sanctuary. And note that anyone of any age is encouraged to stay in the worship service through till the end today. We do not have separate children's programming this morning, so we're going to welcome everybody for the whole hour. And before we continue, just a word of thanks, as always, to all who contribute to making these services happen, from paid staff to volunteers to morning volunteers on the day of who are offering hospitality online and in person and running the tech booth, thank you very much. And thank you today to the Hazards who contributed these beautiful flowers that are up front. All right, will you take a steadying breath with me? This morning's worship service is inspired by the work of Adrienne Marie Brown, and in particular, her book, Emergent Strategy. One of the principles of her emergent strategy is, what you pay attention to grows. So today we're inviting ourselves to consider more intentionally what needs and deserves our attention. What do we want to grow in ourselves? in our congregation, in the broader community. And at the foundation of this invitation is the promise that possibilities abound, that we have choices and we have agency to shape the world we inhabit by what we give our intention to. So we begin with the words of Maya Angelou and a brief excerpt from her much longer poem that is titled, On the Pulse of Mourning. History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again. Lift up your eyes upon this day breaking for you. Give birth again to the dream for each new hour holds new chances for a new beginning. Do not be wedded forever to fear, yoked eternally to brutishness. The horizon leans forward, offering you space to place new steps of change. In that spirit, let us worship.
5: no you can't always tell one from another and it's best not to judge a book by its tattered cover i have found when i tried or looked deeper inside what appears unadorned might be wondrously formed you can't always tell but sometimes you just know Round here we throw geodes in our garden. They're as common as the rain, corn silk in July, unpretentious browns and grays, the stain of Indiana clay. There was what's left of shallow seas, glacial rock and mystery. And inside there shines a secret, brightest promise. And all these things that we call familiar are just miracles clothed in the commonplace. And you'll see it if you try. In the next stranger's eyes, the god walks around in muddy boots Sometimes rags, and that's the truth. You can't always tell, but sometimes you just know. Some say geodes were made from pockets of tears, trapped away in small places for years upon years, pressed down and transformed till the true self was born. And the whole world moved on like the last note of a song, a love letter sent without return address. No, you can't always tell one from another. And it's best not to judge a book by its tattered cover. I don't open them to see folks round here just like me. We have come to believe there's hidden good in common things. You can't always tell, but sometimes you just know. You can't always tell, but sometimes you just know.
4: Somebody in the room who's younger than age 12 who would like to light the chalice. Come on up. Is that Teddy? All right. Up, oh, Stephen. You may help. Would you like to come help? Nope. Press the button. There you go. Don't hold it. There you go. Well done. Thanks, Teddy. First time it worked like it was supposed to. So with Unitarian Universalists all over the world, at the beginning of a worship service, we light a flame in a chalice. It's a symbol of our shared and living religious tradition. Today, we dedicate this chalice with the words of a poem written by Lynn Unger. It's titled Breathe And I chose it because I think it invites us to think about attention in a unique and maybe not quite so overt way. Breathe, said the wind. How can I breathe at a time like this when the air is full of the smoke of burning tires, burning lives? Just breathe. The wind insisted easy for you to say if the weight of injustice is not wrapped around your throat cutting off all air I need you to breathe I need you to breathe don't tell me to be calm when there are so many reasons to be angry so much cause for despair I didn't say to be calm, said the wind. I said to breathe. We're going to need a lot of air to make this hurricane together. Will you please rise in body or in spirit? We're going to join our voices in speaking together the promises of our Congregational Covenant. Then I'm going to invite you to greet one another, and then we're gonna remain as we are and sing together under Michael's leadership. But first, let's speak together these words that will appear on the screen. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And now, will you gently greet one another and welcome one another into the space? Good morning, everyone who's with us virtually.
1: Hey, off. Hi.
6: Hi. Hey, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hey. Reliable, like, can you tell everybody. Hey, Hi, I'm all yeah.
2: I, this incredible. Hello I, you Hello, I appreciate all you being in the middle
4: of
2: not a
6: Hello,
7: you. i i hi.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's Hello, that no Jerry. Hi, Amber. Good
8: morning, <laughs> folks.
9: If you hope you can hear me through my mask, please stand, please stand. We're going to sing our opening song this morning. The words are on your screen. We've sung this in the past. I'll lead you, and we'll sing it through twice. Love, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. One more time
10: Good morning, everyone. My name is Robin Slaw. I'm your director of religious education, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. Uh, I would like to invite any children that are here to come on down. And while they're making their way down, I want to introduce our story today, because it's one of my favorite books of all time, and it's pretty new, which is really saying something because I like it more than my childhood stories. Uh, it's called What Do You Do With an Idea? And we're gonna watch a recording that was made by the UU congregation in Ann Arbor. So we're gonna watch the video first and then have a conversation about it right after the video ends. So would you roll the the video, please?
6: What do you do with an idea? By Kobe Yamada, with illustrations by Mae Basum. One day I had an idea. Where did it come from? Why is it here? I wondered, what do you do with an idea? At first, I didn't think much of it. It seemed kind of strange and fragile. I didn't know what to do with it. So I just walked away from it. I acted like it didn't belong to me. But it followed me. I worried what others would think. What would people say about my idea? I kept it to myself. I hid it away and didn't talk about it. I tried to act like everything was the same as it was before my idea showed up. But there was something magical about my idea. I had to admit I felt better and happier when it was around. It wanted food. It wanted to play. Actually, it wanted a lot of attention. It grew bigger and we became friends. I showed it to other people even though I was afraid of what they would say. I was afraid that if people saw it they would laugh at it. I was afraid they would think it was silly And many of them did. They said it was no good. They said it was too weird. They said it was a waste of time and that it would never become anything. And at first, I believed them. I actually thought about giving up on my idea. I almost listened to them. But then I realized, what do they really know? This is my idea, I thought. No one knows it like I do. And it's okay if it's different and weird and maybe a little crazy. I decided to protect it, to care for it. I fed it good food. I worked with it. I played with it. But most of all, I gave it my attention. My idea grew and grew and so did my love for it. I built it a new house, one with an open roof where it could look up at the stars, a place where it could be safe to dream. I liked being with my idea. It made me feel more alive, like I could do anything. It encouraged me to think big, and then to think bigger. It shared its secrets with me. It showed me how to walk on my hands. Because, it said, it is good to have the ability to see things differently. I couldn't imagine my life without it. Then, one day, something amazing happened. My idea changed right before my very eyes. It spread its wings, took flight, and burst into the sky. I don't know how to describe it, but it went from being here to being everywhere. It wasn't just a part of me anymore. It was now a part of everything. And then I realized what you do with an idea. Change the world. The end.
10: So that, can you understand why that was such an amazing story and why it's my favorite? I want to ask you all if you ever had an idea that you were excited about but other people maybe said nah it's not such a good idea and you let it go you ignored it like that child in the story that you're sorry about now yeah
7: no and also i don't know if anybody else noticed it but after But you said it exploded. Suddenly, everything was in color.
10: Right? Yeah, because that great, big, beautiful idea changed the world. Right?
7: Yeah, by putting it in color.
10: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. by putting it in color. Do you have an idea that you wish you had kept? Well,
4: there are some things that you
11: know
10: I wish I hadn't done. Ah. There,
11: you know. Some ideas when I was little,
7: like of what I would be when I grow When I would grow up, people would say it
10: was unrealistic. Right. And so I would let it go. Yeah, yeah. So often when we're little, we have ideas and people let them go. I wanted to be a nurse when I was growing up. And I remember my aunt said, no, don't be a nurse, be a doctor. But I didn't want to be a doctor. So I gave up all ideas of being a medical professional whatsoever. I'm kind of sorry about that. Anybody else have an idea that you thought of? (laughs) You have one.
7: Ride horses and be like a professional when I grew up but it started getting too difficult and so I kind of gave up but now I've really like rediscovered my love for horseback riding and I wish that I hadn't stopped when I was little
10: okay so wanting to ride horses giving it up because it seemed unrealistic and now acts is sorry that they didn't keep up with it and uh, they're reinterested in it so maybe it'll grow now right How many of you had an awesome idea that you did pay attention to that made a difference? What was your idea? Say it nice and loud so I can hear you, sweetie. To help his mom clean. Oh, we love that idea. That's awesome. You get a high five from me. You have an idea? Yeah. Do you want to tell me? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell me later? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. You tell me later. Go ahead, Teddy. To have ice cream (laughs) yesterday. To have ice cream yesterday. I think that's another awesome idea. Yeah.
7: Yeah.
10: Okay. All right. All right. So that's the end of the time for all ages. We're going to all go back to our parents and stay for the rest of the, or our family members, whoever they are, because I know some of you don't have parents here, but that's okay.
4: (laughs) So while you're finding your way back to your seats, I'm gonna introduce you to our next speaker. The climate team has invited Hallie Getty today to offer the Climate Minute as part of this month's climate theme. Hi, Hallie.
7: Hey, Hallie, we're having pizza for dinner. What do you want? Um, pepperoni, please. Really? That's not very vegetarian of you. I've been vegetarian ever since that day, ever since my mom asked me what I wanted for dinner. I may have mentioned it to her once before that, but ever since then it has stuck. I've been vegetarian just about three, for, it has been just about three years since I first became vegetarian. And since then, my family has also started to eat less meat. While I'm the only one in my family who's fully veg, my dad has found a few vegetarian meals that my whole family likes, which we eat often. I'd like to say it's all because of me, but my whole family has really gotten into the idea of finding meatless meals that we all enjoy. I first started thinking about vegetarianism because I knew about animal cruelty and all the things happening with cows and pigs and videos I'd seen, but that wasn't the thing that pushed me over. Later on, I'd been talking to more people and doing some more of my own research, and I was blown away by how much water was being used to make one burger patty. Up to 660 gallons of water are used to make just one burger. That was my tipping point. I couldn't imagine how that much water was being used for just like six bites of food. Eating meat not only has an effect on the animals and their lives, but also greatly on the climate. The methane emission from cows, water usage and production, and deforestation for grazable grasslands all highly contributes to climate change. So please, come to the forum directly after service in this room to learn so much more about climate change and plant-based diets than you already do. Thank you.
4: You left your mask. It's mostly because of Hallie, FYI. We are going to sing again, a hymn that Michael and I chose as we were thinking about this service because so much of um, the choices we make about what we model for our children is all about what we're giving our attention to as we raise them and we think that this song um, embodies that beautifully. Will you rise, embody, or in spirit, and sing together? To help do you want to come help with the pebbles in the water I saw you No, he's saying no okay <gasps> you're gonna help violet thank you so for those of you who are you are welcome to stay and help violet thank you for those of you who are new to our community violet is helping with this embodied ritual of placing pebbles in a communal bowl of water for each joy or sorrow that is shared among us. It honors the way that an individual life and an individual story touches all of us when shared in loving community. If you'd like to place your own pebbles in the water and you're in the sanctuary, you certainly may come forward during the music meditation and do that in silence. And just one more, Jenny, this is for all of those things that you're holding unspoken within you right now. Let's share a few moments of prayer and reflection, silence, and then during the music meditation, you may come forward. Holy Spirit of love of life we sit in awe of all that is this life full of abundance and love and joy and also the grief that is born of love healing that comes after injury and pain and loss. May we know healing and may we be healers in this world. And may we hold one another in love and in courage as we take risks and build a world of justice, of peace. Blessed Oh mm-hmm. I begin today's reflection with a brief reading from Adrian Marie Brown's book, Emergent Strategy. This one from a section titled Present and Intentional. Life is not happening to us. We are learning to be in the actual current moment to recognize where we have a choice in a terrifying twist, it turns out we always have it. So the great question is how to be intentional in the present moment to take responsibility for your state of being and for your life. Another teacher, she writes, asked us to consider what if I am responsible for everything? It's not a singular task to be responsible for what happens in this world. We do not exist or transform in isolation. We are in this universe, we are actively reflecting on how to be in our lives, to best embody our greatness, and to yield a more liberated future for ourselves and thus in the fractal sense, for all of existence. That's the end of Adrienne Marie Brown's words. So as I have aged, it has been interesting to observe the habits and default behaviors that have developed in me and taken hold over time. Habits that are very apparent in mundane behaviors of daily living, like the fact that every morning I play Wordle and then the mini crossword and then spelling bee. How I clean and stack and store dishes. How and whether I greet strangers in public spaces. What I listen to when walking or driving even the go-to meals we eat in our family lots of habits and routines and default behavior but default behavior appears also in less concrete ways like in how i process information and stimuli how i interact with other people in interpersonal conflict Some of us default to defensiveness of our own behavior, denial of responsibility. In some, there's an expression of curiosity and inquisitiveness about why is this happening? Sometimes there's blaming of others who are involved or taking all the blame on one's own self. I know that when I'm confronted with a challenge or a difficult situation, my default is to evaluate the situation, whether I'm doing this overtly or subconsciously, through the lens of the worldview in which I was primarily shaped. In my case, that worldview is informed by being white, European-American, upper middle class, Protestant, formally educated, And I project those values and expectations on others who are involved in the situation. And even when I'm being more intentional, more intentionally thoughtful in my analysis, I still have defaults. For example, applying the teachings of systems theory to family and to congregational situations because so much of my own coaching and therapy experiences have been informed by the teachings of systems theory. But those defaults that are mine are not universal. They're not the only ones out there. I live and love and work with people whose defaults are different than my own, who have read more or different books than I have, whose gender is different from mine, who have trauma in their history, whose therapists use teachings that aren't Murray Bowen's, whose primary tool for understanding the world is the Myers-Briggs type indicator or astrology or a specific religious teaching that I don't share. Some of us evaluate our experiences primarily through race, others through sex, others through an intimate understanding of the neurodiversity among us. All of these things have wisdom to offer and each of us tends toward different ones and it's interesting and one might argue far more important to consider that as I've aged I've tried to practice disrupting some of my own habits asking myself how many of these things that are my defaults are just how I am, or just how things are in the world, as opposed to how many of them are choices that are available to me about how to be in the world, which means I have other choices, too. As Adrienne Marie Brown writes, life is not happening to us. We have choice, and in a terrifying twist, it turns out we always have it. And then in another part of that same book, one of the central principles of emergent strategy, what you pay attention to grows. This practice of thinking about what we pay attention to applies in some very concrete ways, such as not commenting on children's appearance when we're looking for something to talk about, or anyone's appearance really, but especially children's. We don't say, oh, you're so handsome, or oh, you're so pretty. And we don't assume things about a child based on our own perception of their gender, which might lead me to say things about sports to children whom I perceive to be boys and say things about dolls or fashion to those I perceive as girls even though that's how what was modeled for me as I was growing up so I am choosing to do different things when I interact with children I have this strong memory from many years ago when Hallie who you heard earlier was in elementary school and she brought me to pick up takeout from a local restaurant Hallie as you may have observed this morning is very blonde and that hair often is the first thing anyone comments on about Hallie and has been all their life. So it was remarkable to me that the employee in this particular restaurant spoke to Hallie and said, what are you learning in school? And Hallie perked up and shared whatever, I don't remember. But that person offered not a single comment about how Hallie looked, about what she was wearing, And I think about that experience a lot as one positive disruption of habitual default behavior that had a powerful impact on me, reminding me that small shifts in my own behavior can also have powerful impact, that what I pay attention to grows. We encourage speakers in the pulpit here to introduce themselves by name and with pronouns as an expression of hospitality, not because we think that most of you don't remember my name or what pronouns I use, but because we choose to prioritize the needs in this space of the person who is here for the first time, the person who doesn't know everyone or maybe anyone, The person who might be encouraged to know that in this space, we respect one another's right to name and express their own gender and to choose how others speak of them. So much of my own work on spiritual growth and development has been this in this realm of stretching my perception of learning that I perceive the world through lenses and filters and frames, and accepting that in my former formative years, a particular set of lenses and filters and frames was reinforced by the family and the environment in which I was raised. And that those lenses and filters and frames are really, really strong in me. And I have agency over whether they are the only lenses and filters and frames through which I experience the world. Yesterday morning, 20 congregants gathered with Valerie Hsu and me to practice one way of strengthening relational culture at UUCC. We practiced by engaging in one-to-one conversations that were deliberately about something more than concrete facts of one's biography We practiced deepening connections beyond what's possible in casual social conversation and chit chat. We practiced talking with one another, not just about where we grew up and went to school and what we do for a living, but about why. Why we are drawn to the vocational work to which we've devoted our lives. Who has influenced our values and decisions? Why a particular movement motivates our passions? what you pay attention to grows. And institutions also have choices to make, and like individuals, are wise to question institutional defaults. Whose needs are centered in congregational decision-making? Whose comfort is prioritized? Whose worldview is the default? And with the freedom of choice, comes some responsibility. Responsibility to acknowledge the consequences and impacts of the choices that we make as an institution and the choices we choose not to make, as well. Often, there are many legitimate options from which to choose, and each will have a different impact. What we pay attention to grows. If we pay attention to the needs of those among us who have consistently been overlooked and left out, then our understanding of those needs and the capacity to address them will grow. We may also choose to pay attention to the needs of those among us who have long held power and controlled resources, and those will then continue to remain strong. We are in so many ways at a moment of reset in the broader world as we emerge into this new pandemic chapter. A time when dangers have not completely passed, but the resources for mitigating those dangers are more accessible and widespread. As we anticipate midterm elections that could shift the political landscape in significant ways. And we're at a moment as a congregation living into a new reality, informed by these years of pandemic and changing leadership, intentions about where priorities and resources should be invested. As we navigate together this time of transition and reset, I hope that we will welcome Adrian Marie Brown's wisdom. Considering that we have choices, we always have choices about what we pay attention to, where we put emphasis. Remembering that we don't pay attention to, What we don't pay attention to is at risk of undernourishment. It's not all or nothing, but by manners of degree. We don't raise well-adjusted children by giving them only things that bring immediate joy and pleasure. Children also need vegetables and hard lessons and validation of their painful feelings. We adults need those things too but we choose in our personal and institutional lives whether whether to invest more attention and resources directly in people and relationships or in infrastructure, for example. Knowing that the infrastructure is absolutely necessary but is not itself the mission of a community. And what we pay attention to grows. In another part of that emergent strategy book, Adrienne Marie Brown encourages us to ask ourselves the question, what is the next most elegant step? She says, too often we come up with plans that don't take into account the fog on the horizon. Then we go off and the work doesn't happen, perhaps can't happen and feel demoralized when our energy doesn't flow into action or desired outcomes. But an elegant step is one that acknowledges what is known and unknown, what the capacity of a group actually is. An elegant step allows humility. And in any conversation, I would say she writes, in any moment, there's a next elegant step, possible and strategic based on who's asking it, and where they're trying to go. What is the next most elegant step for you, for us? I'm making a recommitment to interrogate my own habits and my default behaviors, to consider whether the choices I'm making are maybe thoughtless and habitual ones, or whether I'm accepting and implementing the freedom and responsibility of the choice-making agency in me. I have choices about where to give my attention, and what you pay attention to grows. May all our lives and our beloved congregation be vibrant and life-giving and abundant. What's the next? most elegant step. I invite you to reflect on that question as Michael again, again offers a special piece of music that he's prepared for today. And as you are invited to invest of your financial bounty for the good of the work of this congregation in the world, there will be instructions on the screen about how to give. Will you rise now in body or in spirit to hear these brief words of benediction and then we are going to sing one more time together there is more love somewhere but as we depart from one another let's carry these words that we heard earlier from Maya Angelou who says lift up your eyes upon this day breaking for you give birth again to the dream I'll see you next month Be well. Amen. Amen.
11: Find it tied to someone else Who said it's true That the growing only happens on your own They don't know me and you I don't think you have to leave If the change is watching. you need only one I am unfinished, I've got so much left to learn I don't know how this river runs But I'd like the company through every twist and turn Who says it's true? But the growing only happens on your own They don't know me and you You don't ever have to leap If to change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow and we'll take it slow and grow as we go, Ooh, grow as we go. It's not written in the stars But I believe that when it's done We're gonna see that it was better That we grew up together Tell me you don't wanna leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high I'll take the low you can have and I can flow we'll take it slow and grow as we go
8: Day we share, and no one's a stranger—just a brother or a sister. We. Do. It's made of moments here that matter with you and I There's no destination more full of grace than this place we meet